Hello, curiosity seekers and adventurous thinkers. Welcome to Applied Curiosity Lab Radio, the podcast for the relentlessly curious. This season, our host and Applied Curiosity Lab's chief curiosity seeker, Becky Saltzman, will be sharing the studio with ACL's chief experience producer and favorite sister, Jennifer Felberg. The lens is, and always will be, curiosity. Each week, fun informal conversations center around one delectable curiosity bite designed to give your brain the time and ideas to think about thinking, to flex your curiosity muscle, and maybe even revolutionize the way you think. Among the many wonderful things that come as a result of having a grandmother who is lucid and hilarious and fabulous and 102 years old is that we get to get this perspective of what life was like during different events, first-person perspective, although it's anecdotal, it's different than reading a history from someone who studied it. What have you, when you talk to grandma, what are you most interested in learning from her? I love hearing her stories of when she was younger and the things that she went through because she she was one of the youngest in her generation. Her parents got divorced. So that was interesting and how people respond to that and how she felt, which to me is fascinating. What do you remember? Well, of course, I remember her infamous story of when she was in Korea back. A lot of Americans rather didn't travel to Korea. And she was waiting for grandpa who was in some meetings. And all of a sudden, some Korean uh, businessmen came and picked her up from the hotel and (laughs) ushered her into the car, but they didn't speak English. And so she kind of unwittingly, somewhat unwittingly got in the car and drove up with them. And as they're driving and driving out of the city and through the countryside, in her words, I don't know why she came to this conclusion. (laughs) She came that she was going to be sold as as a sex slave, slave. <laughs> you know, a juicy American, you know, young and hot. That's what she juicy. Said. I remember the word was juicy. And they take her to this. Finally, they come into this hotel in this remote part of town, and she's like, "Okay, well, here it goes." And they bring her up to the hotel room, and she's just standing there, thinking she's putting on her lipstick. <laughs> and you're thinking, "Well, here goes nothing." Pretty soon, she describes there's a knock at the door. And someone comes with towels and all. she's like, okay, <laughs> my first customer. And she's just telling the story. And it's funny coming out of the mouth of a 102-year-old fabulous woman. It's like, oh, finally, they come in and explain, you must be really worried, Mrs. Potter, your husband. We know we're in touch with your husband. Someone came in that spoke English. But those are the kinds of stories that I'm more interested in than actually the life event stories. You know, what was it like during World War II? What was it like? Yeah, the personal stories are a lot more interesting, but that's why I also like to read uh, historical fictions because I can learn about history through hearing the juicy stuff. Right. Same thing. Versus memorizing dates or whatever. But recently, since grandma is in quarantine, I wanted to be able to talk to her because so many people were saying, this is just like World War II, or this is just like that, or this is just like that. And I thought, well, that would be really interesting to be able to talk to someone or get a perspective from someone who actually, I mean, plenty of people lived through World War II, although in decreasingly plenty of people, I suppose, but she, yeah, 102, not many people. And she absolutely, through our texting and made it 
clear to me that there is nothing like this pandemic in the history of her, in her life's history, 102 years, there is nothing like this pandemic. And that gave me pause because you keep hearing people say it's like this and it's like that. And she said, nope, 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 nope. There's nothing like it. Should I say it? Should I say it, Becky? It is unprecedented. <laughs> the game that we're playing that we do monkey bumps or those little punches. Every time you read or hear someone say, now more than ever, or unprecedented, you get extra bonus points. So anyone who writes or reads or hears, now more than ever. Now yep. more than ever, I need to ask you the curiosity bite. You ready? Okay, bring it on. Sister. When you're older, what about your life do you think your descendants will be most curious about? Well, when you say when I'm older, first of all, <laughs> let's just address the elephant in the room. <laughs> when I'm old, not older. <laughs> not that it's bad being old because I don't mind being old. But when you are older and supposedly sager, <laughs> yeah. kids have lived through a lot with you. But when you're kids' kids or when people from, or people who don't have kids, when future generations ask you as the sage, old, wise woman, what do you think they'll be curious about? Well, Shaggy! That's what I'll say. I wish her age. It's funny. Uh, Ginger is going to, she wants to write a book on some of the things of my life. That's one of the things she wants to take on during this quarantine. Are you saying that's boring? Is that what you're doing? Are you snor snoring? <laughs> Shut up! Like, Very interesting. Your child writing about your parents' life is, to me, is like math is to you. Things she wants to know, right now she's on this feminist kick, so she wants to know some of the things that I've gone through. Because when I worked with dad, for, like, for instance, you know, working with in, in this industrial group of people. That was int an interesting time. When I was on tour with my band, that was an interesting time. And then some of the things I've gone through recently, I think she wants to know from that perspective. So she's really interested in the little adventures I think I've had. I don't know if my grandkids would be interested in that. I think 9-11 is an interesting conversation. What happened, what was life like before and after? I think they'll be interested in this this unprecedented time. What about you? What do you think? If what I'm interested in is any indication of what my descendants or people that come after me, if I live to an old sage age, I don't think anything I'm particularly know now would be highly interesting, although maybe. Oh, yeah. Uh, if, it, if what I'm interested in is any indication of what other people will be interested in, it's more personal stories than historical moments in time, because I think there'll be enough written about those things that it wouldn't be like you could look up what's different now than before 9-11 and you could find 50,000 yeah. articles, but you're never going to yeah, find but... the equivalent of a sex slave story, you know? <laughs> and so my guess is that the, it would be personal stories. Like you said, what was it like to tour in a band in the a 90s industrial band? What was it right. It's, it's historical nonfiction. All right. I'm going to ask you a series of questions. I'm going to give you a bunch of things that might be different back in your day or our day and just see your reaction. Okay. Right, ready? Sure. Fax machine. What? You would just want to hear my reaction to a fax machine? 
Well, yeah, what I get is the phone calls, the constant phone calls, and you're picking up the phone and it's that's what I'm asking. Remember when you yeah. pick up the phone and someone was faxing you to your phone number. And it's, All right. That's yeah. something that people yeah. would not relate to who are probably under 20. That's probably true. Okay. That's number one. All right, now, okay. Okay. That's exactly. You got the game. That's what I was going to say, <laughs> but I didn't know what you were yeah, going to give you good instructions, but okay. I made my mind. All right. Pager. <laughs> that reminds me of when I was in a band and we always used to say, guy page, guy page, meaning like it was some kind of hit up. Somebody would page someone for a hookup. It's like before uh, Tinder. Ah. Pages, pagers, yeah. I remember that I constantly wore a page pager at work. And when I got pregnant, it was like pushing up against the side of my side. And years later, when I finally just, and you would have someone page you because you didn't want to use your cell phone dollars to have a direct <laughs> yes. call you on the cell phone. That was expensive. And you didn't give out your cell phone number. And no. then years later, I would feel like a phantom paging buzz in that area. Oh and sometimes I still will get a little feeling of that all these decades later. See, I never wore a pager. Oh. I didn't I didn't need to. Your job didn't require it, but mine. Did, no. And no. How about yeah. the tape recorder answering machine? Oh, my God. <laughs> tape, it ran out and you missed some messages. Or you just got a new tape and put it in and you saved those tapes. You keep them in a file. Why? I don't know. Yeah. The first, one of the first families, I remember, at least in our neighborhood, to get a, t- a tape-recorded answering machine. And we thought, it yeah. was so fancy. And that, don't <laughs> use it. It's for the business. That's- well, and we also were one of the first. Dad was, I think, in our neighborhood, we were probably one of the first to have a CB radio in dad's car. Oh my God, do you remember your CB handle? Of course. What was it? Uh, it was, oh shoot, uh, something with lips. Sugar lips. Sugar lips. Mine was sugar lips. Oh, that's so much better than mine. Mine was Bigfoot because I had. <laughs> God. <laughs> so typical. That is, if, if you wanted to know the difference between the two of us, right there. Why? I don't understand. <laughs> Elaborate. Because I'm so like, I like to play with dolls. You like to play in the dirt. Although I like to play in the dirt, but like, what does that have to do with you? I of course would come up with something like sugar lips, and you you would come up with. Dad told me I had to be big. <laughs> I didn't have a choice. You have big feet. You're big foot. You're two eighties. Remember? You know what's so sad is that I have way bigger feet than you. <laughs> well, not then. You weren't fully grown. No, I wasn't. What about the Berlin Wall? I just remember Ronald Reagan saying something like, take down that wall. And everyone said, because he said that, Gorbachev replied. <laughs> yeah. And I remember seeing like the uh, spray paint and stuff like that. I don't remember much about that. Now, I want to ask you, because when you think about the Vietnam War, which never was a declared war, but is generally thought of from the early, early beginning, 1955, to, the, to when it was, they pulled out the last of the American troops in 75, you were born in 1970. So my question to you is, when I say Vietnam War, what comes to mind? Movies. I, I don't really remember much about the Vietnam War. I mean, it, it, personally, I, re- I know from movies and things like that. What about you? Do you remember? Same, no, same. Really? Because really. you were 10. Yeah, but it was really movies. I also remember those octagonal glasses. They were, they were octagonal shaped glasses. And I always associated those octagonal glasses with those POW 
buttons that people would wear. So it's something so random. And I, and I used to think of those as POW classes. And interesting. Yeah, so I remember that's, that's something that would be you and not me. That's that five-year difference. And that would be like what a 10-year-old would kind of associate and maybe hippies. I don't know. I mean, I'm, it's hard for, it's hard to remember because now we're influenced by all the media and right. shows and things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What else? That's fun. Soviet Jewry. That, because that's our life. I just know that there've been a lot of Russians growing up. I know uh, my friend's mother was very involved with bringing the Jews over. So, I, but mostly what I remember is just a lot of Russians in Sunday school coming, like all of a sudden there'd be these little Russian kids. So I remember something different. I remember when I learned, this is going to sound so Emily Latilla. it's not even funny. <laughs> I mean this sincerely, when I finally, because I always wonder, what is the problem with Soviet jewelry? <laughs> and, and, we, and we had marches and we, and it seems so stupid, but I remember realizing, because I never heard the word jewelry, you know, Soviet jewelry. Me neither, but jewelry. I just, yeah. I, jewelry. I mean, you don't hear the word jewelry. Soviet jewelry. I thought, what's, okay. I, guess, <laughs> I was like, all right, I guess we, I guess we need to fix the problem of Soviet jewelry. So I do remember that. That was very Emily Latilla. What about oh my God. the space shuttle, when the space shuttle blew up? Oh, I remember that because I was in junior high, I think, because one of the people that went to, that was a teacher in my junior high was up for that because the woman that died was a teacher oh, and I- they were pick, selecting a teacher at that time to be qualified to go on that, on that trip. And one of my teachers was qualified, but didn't get the thing. And I remember that so well. I remember the smoke line. When you that- heard about it. Do you remember that? I think I was in school. I was. In I think I was. In, yeah. Yeah. That would make sense. And I oh, and I always associate that with AIDS. And and the reason is that oh. was a lot of what was in the news at that time. We were trying to figure out could we get it from kissing from the toilet seat. Just happened probably within the same six month period where both things were really salient to me. That's yeah, that's I can picture where I was even on campus at Washington University in St. Louis. What about? Princess die dying. Now I think I was somewhere. Do you know? Do you remember what year that was? No, but I remember. I can't remember. Out. Where were you? I was in my bedroom, and I, I mean, I can remember it so well. I can remember where, where I was on my bed, and I don't know if I saw it on the news. I mean, clearly it wouldn't have been on my cell phone, so it must have been on the news. I remember just being, you know, kind of being in shock, and I was it wasn't like it was a big. I mean, she was on the cover of People magazine like every other week. And so we got, we were obviously loyal subscribers. So that was something she was salient from that perspective. But I was some, I was traveling and I don't know why I was traveling, but I was in a hotel room Mm. and I remember seeing, and I didn't believe it at first. And then, yeah. Then you realized it was before they had invented fake news. (laughs) What about, oh okay, so what about, do you remember your first experience with a computer? Yes. Well, I remember there were different things. I, re- I remember learning about computers in junior high from Mrs. Schneider. Mm-hmm. And it was DOS and all those horrible, horrible uh, calculations and formulas and stuff. I couldn't, I couldn't do that. But what I do really remember is... The first time 
we were doing like internet stuff. And I remember I was at my boyfriend's house at the time in Ashland, Oregon. And we were doing the, like you could look up shopping and I forget what it's called. I know you remember. Prodigy. Mm -hmm. That was the first time I was like, oh my God. That was like almost internet. That was like internet-y. That was the first. Yeah, the internet, but the computer was was junior high. Yeah. I took what about you computer class in high school, and I remember we had to program run colon dot 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 you know whatever slash, and we had to program a Christmas tree with twinkling lights. <laughs> and I thought, why? <laughs> I thought, and I remember being one of the on, only girls. It was high school girls in the class. And being curious about that, it wasn't like it wasn't open for girls to take the class, but I, I might have been the only girl in the class, and I remember hating it. And embarrassed yeah. to say, because I would have loved to have said, I was the only girl, and I was very good at programming, but I thought, why would I want to program a Christmas tree twinkling? Clearly, That would come in handy. Clearly, I had a lot of insight into the power of computing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was a futurist from the early, early days. And then in college, I would have to u- use the mainframe computers when I was working on my thesis. And it was a hell of a lot easier than typing with whiteout all over the place. Well, oh, that yeah. was really great. But I would have to go in during the computer lab hours and it was only open certain hours. I do remember the fax machine. I wanted to go back to the fax machine and then throw a couple of things out because when I was an assistant buyer for many department stores, my boss would tell us, go fax these purchase orders, these POs. And I would always say to her, listen, I'm going to be out of the office for five hours because I'm going to be waiting in line for this fax machine that we had. <laughs> oh, and she would God. always get pissed at me that I was like goofing off. And I finally said, I, can, I said to her, Joanne, you go up and stand in line yourself so that you understand. This isn't my idea of fun. You don't understand. But it was the, you know, it was really the only way to get the POs quickly other than mail them in the mail. We still, at my other job, we still fax orders. Well, in. I think we'll laugh at a couple of things now. We'll look back at now. We will look back on the fact that doctors still need to fax certain things because they're not HIPAA compliant to use over the computer. And I think that this pandemic is going to change the way we do medicine. And yes. It's ridiculous. I mean, you can't even email something because oh. it's not HIPAA compliant. Yeah. Oh my God. When we were, when, when I was working in long-term care, uh, a, a lot of our, pa- our residents and patients would not get the treatment or the medication that they needed in time because we didn't get the facts from the doctor. We had, would have to wait over the weekend. <laughs> I think we will also look back on the time when we could pick up prescription medication without identification, which I think is really where you could say, oh, I'm here to pick up Jennifer's Oxycontin and here is her you know, date of birth. And they'll say, oh, yeah. what do you need to do? So that's interesting. And I think we'll yeah. look at waiting rooms. We'll look at emergency waiting rooms, urgent care waiting rooms. And hey, note to any kind of company like ZoomCare who wants to differentiate create a waiting room that is more hygienic, maybe pods you sit in. And we'll look back to say, remember when we would break our leg and we would go in and sit among people who have, who had the plague or who had deadly diseases that were contagious. And we just sit there waiting for our, our x-rays do to do. Meanwhile, I think a lot of these things will be fundamental and the people who turn the chair over and see the different ways of looking at things are going to come out ahead. The analogy is 
if you think about an Etch-a-Sketch, do you turn the dial with the existing picture you have to try to alter that picture, or do you shake the Etch-a-Sketch and start over? I think we're all hoping that after all of this, we're going to shake it. We are hoping that someone's going to shake it, but we don't want to shake it ourselves. Yeah. Everyone's afraid. We feel like we're not the leader, so we'll let somebody else do it. But we need to start realizing that take this stuff on ourselves. Absolutely. I agree. Yeah. I have a list. It's really a quiz and it's to guess which generation you belong to. Because I know you love the whole generational thing. I hate it. (laughs) The millennial, the baby boomer, et cetera. But I want to see if if this quiz actually pinpoints which generation you belong to. Okay. Try. You ready? I'm ready. Okay. Here's the first one. If you have to contact a customer, any customer, which type of communication do you prefer the most? A, face-to-face, B, through email, C, by phone, or D, texting? I, it depends on the, I would just answer the question. <laughs> well, for me, it would depend on what the preference is as a, you know, if I'm selling someone something or contacting someone, it would depend on their preference. If someone was 80 years old and didn't have text, then I wouldn't text them. I mean, it's what you prefer. If someone asked me what I would prefer, I would try to get them to tell me what they prefer. But if not, I would say first point of contact, email. I think first point of contact is too intimate to start someone you barely even know with a text. I think that's weird. What about a phone call? That's also more intimate. So I would start with email saying, hey, are you, how, how do you prefer? To, I would send an email asking how they prefer to communicate. That's what I would Okay. Okay. Uh, next question. Which type of reward motivates you the most? Money, like a salary. Like a, uh, I've never had like, you, like money, like income. Like income, your regular paycheck, salary, income. B, vacation. I guess extra vacation time, things like that. C, title and recognition, or D, compensation, like for a job well done, like a bonus or something like that, extra money that you weren't counting on. This is going to categorize me a little differently because I'm an entrepreneur. I am my own boss. So it's not like someone else is going to give me a bonus or an add a girl or give me a... Well, it's like a tip. Somebody could give you a tip. True. But if I want extra vacation, I'm going to take extra vacation. And if I have enough money, I'm going to take extra vacation. So I'm just, and I, well, but what if you got a gig that was somewhere exotic that would give you that extra vacation? Sure. Whatever. But for me, it's different. I know that a millennial would probably say, you know, I want more time to myself. I, that's a cliche, but if you're an entrepreneur, you make that decision. And so I would say, if I have more money, I'm going to take more vacation. I would probably say more vacation. If I couldn't pay my bills, it would be a different story. You're motivated by somebody giving you an extra vacation, which means for free. Not someone. But like, but it motivates you to, yeah. Okay. Money motivates me to have more adventure. But that's a good question for an entrepreneur. So, but I understand, I, I, I could totally say, I can answer like a millennial. I can answer like a Gen X. I, I could totally. Right. I want you to answer like yourself and you are an entrepreneur. So let's see, because I want to see if, because this is exactly what I thought. The way you answer might not be the same as somebody your exact same age will answer. So that's why I love this. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Number three, what is important to you? Is it that your experience is respected? Is it that, you do it your way and forget the rules? 
that you're being valued and needed in your workplace or working with other bright and creative people? Working with other bright and creative people. Oh, that was easy for you. Next one. Which type of leadership style belongs to you? The best. (laughs) Hey, that's one of the answers. A, chain of command. B, self-command. C, collaborate. Or D, top-down style of management. Self-command, because then I could decide when I want to collaborate and when I don't. And I know that I should say collaborate, but the fact of the matter is sometimes in it, we're seeing like in an emergency, collaborative is not necessarily always the best type of leadership. Sometimes you just need clear, concise facts and delivering of a roadmap and then a little glimmer of hope. And collaboration doesn't always lend itself to that. So I would say self-command. Which best describes your interactive style? A, individual, B, entrepreneur, C, participative, or D, team player? Entrepreneur. Okay. Six. Which involves all of those, but whatever. As a, yeah. As a teenager, you, A, rebelled and challenged authority, B, respected your parents, C, friends were more important than family, or D, counted on your parents for advice and guidance? None of the above. (laughs) I mean, I don't, I can't even answer that. What was the first one? Rebelled and challenged. I challenged probably that, but I wasn't like rebelling for rebellion's sake, just that when I thought authority was stupid, I suppose I pointed it out. I have a very low authority moral foundation. Right. I'm going to calculate this and I'll give you your answer on the next podcast. That will keep the suspense alive. (laughs) (laughs) Tell you cool cats and kittens out there. I am going to turn into the greatest generation. You wish. All right. Are you ready? What do you think you are based on that? Based on these things and not when you lived. Are you A, greatest generation? Yes. Worst generation. <laughs> yes. D, millennial. D, generation X. Q, generation Z. Y, generation Y. R, are you a generation at all? <laughs> R, think this whole thing is completely dipshittery. Yes, absolutely. Are you R? I think I'm R. I think I'm I can take the quiz too and I'll tell you if they guessed me right also. The reveal. Are you ready for the sort of fact? Sort of. <laughs> We're always sort of ready for the sort of fact. Yeah. Well, I'm glad to have brought back good old-fashioned prestigious university because more and more of these studies that we are seeing about what we're dealing with now come from PU. Straight up PU. And some of the evidence is also smells like PU. <laughs> what do you think the mascot is at PU? A skunk. <laughs> a skunk? Don't you think? Uh, did you say a skunk? Yes. I said skunk too. I said skunk and then you said skunk right after. Maybe. Oh, I thought we said skunk at the same time. This is what happens when you're zooming. We're zooming. And so that's why our sound quality, we'll we'll be testing our sound quality. Maybe this is a a new thing, although we so love being in the same studio. Yeah. How can we have our cocktails together if we don't, if we aren't? Zoom, 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 zoom. Okay, here it is. Studies have shown that 94% of us in times of uncertainty would rather look back on history and say, oh, it's exactly like that, than to understand with absolute certainty that we are in a completely new, unprecedented time more than ever before. 
Thanks for listening, and I really hope you enjoyed the episode. Before you take off, I have a few more things to let you know about. One, you can find show notes for every episode of ACLR and links to all resources mentioned at applycuriositylab.com forward slash blog. It's there that we'll wait to read your answers to each week's Curiosity Bite. Two, in order to avoid missing Curiosity Bitten conversations, Subscribe to Applied Curiosity Lab Radio on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, and all the other spots that podcasts hang out and wait to be discovered. Toss up a review, especially if you have nice things to say. Finally, for all things Applied Curiosity, including information on workshops and your free membership to the Tribe of the Curious, go to AppliedCuriosityLab.com. In the meantime, elevate curiosity.